course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And, uh, my man, we are less than two weeks from the NFL draft now. And, uh, um, you know, if you want to hear about the conversation about defensive end, defensive tackle, which I think are still the biggest unaddressed uh, offseason need from free agency, then feel free to go back and, and look in the podcast our archives. We did it last week. But, um, Nick, I feel like, um, you know, there's a lot of interest in the whole wide receiver position as well. So you feel like talking about that today? Yeah, we probably should. I mean, there, there was they they had needs before Tyreek Hill. They have needs after they've uh, traded Tyreek Hill, and they still have needs even though they signed Juju Smith-Schuster and Valdez Scantlin. There's a they they still have that. Right. So so for those who uh, you know maybe just awoke from a coma, congratulations! The Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, and 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 I think. You know, Chiefs fans, um, I think some processed it okay. I'm not sure everyone <laughs> processed it really well. Again, if you want to go into kind of some of the, you know, reasons behind, you know, the decision and, and why, from an organizational perspective, it made sense not to pay a wide receiver $30 million a year, um, you know, you can go check the, the podcast archives. We're not going to relitigate that today. But obviously, Tyreek Hill's a unicorn, right? His speed. Litigate. Built- I don't. I don't have. I don't have my license for that type of stuff, Todd. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, didn't get one of those. The, you didn't pass the bar like our friend Ariel. Recently? I'm. Uh, I'm pre. I'm. I'm pre med and pre law because I never went to either of those schools. So you can <laughs> say that until you do. That's right. Um, but look, I mean, Tyreek Hill's gone. That there's no uh, way to get around the fact that that blows a giant hole in, in the chiefs offense. And there's a lot of production that has to be replaced there. Um, and, and again, we've talked about the fact that it may signal that the chiefs are going to make um, some substantial changes to how they approach um, offense. I mean, a lot of defenses had kind of figured out how to, um, you know, kind of take away Kelsey, take away Hill and force other guys to beat you. Those other guys by and large, um, at times had not been able to do it. So the chiefs, I think are kind of trying to diversify their offense, spread the wealth around, so to speak, um, give Travis or give Patrick Mahomes, uh, more options on a given play, you know, more weapons that, that can create separation, get open on their own, um, and not have to rely on one or two guys. The benefit there, of course, being that's going to be harder to defend. You won't be able to kind of trot out these kind of cookie cutter defenses, um, that you know that teams have mimicked, whether it was mimicking things that that Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel or, or other teams had successfully done. You know, Gus Bradley, guys that had had success against the Chiefs' offense and, and holding them down, and then other teams were able to kind of build on that through the years. I think the Chiefs are going to be harder to defend, especially if they add another piece or two in that wide receiver room. Uh, you know, and when you look at some of the changes they've made. Adding adding a Ronald Jones at running back and different things like that. But first, the first thing I want to do, I, I want to set the stage here. Like, you've still got Travis Kelsey, you've still got McCall Hardman Jr. Right? Um, where do you see like Juju Smith Schuster and Marquez Valdez Scantling fitting into this offense, and what kind of roles do you see them holding down? Um, you know, and then what roles remain to be filled, um, potentially through this draft in your mind? 
Um, I think with Juju Smith-Schuster, he's going to be their possession guy. He's going to be one of those physical receivers over the middle on slants, that type of stuff. So I think he's going to be doing that in that regard, and he's going to help hopefully take away some of those snaps that Kelsey was having to do to help increase Kelsey's longevity. I think that's a big part of that strategy of what he's there for. And in that regard now with, uh, with do you see him being having positional flexibility to play slot play outside, you know, kind of, kind of be a little bit of rep replace a little bit of what Sammy Watkins used to represent in this offense in, in certain parts. Yes. That's where working over the middle part will be in that regard, whether it's out of slot, whether it's out of X, whether it's out of uh, whatever it's, that's what he's going to do. His strategy, his purpose is to be the guy within 10 yards that can get you to move the chains and do that part of it. So that'll be a big part of it. He can do some posts. He can do some verticals. He can do that type of stuff. It's going to be contested, but he's able to do that with route combinations. So they will be fine overall, but his whole, in my opinion, the biggest thing you're signing him for and brought him for was to help you win over the middle and move the chain. So that's going to be his part. Now with Valdez Scantling, He's going to give you the speed, the vertical threat, but also give you a guy who you can throw that up to from a jump ball perspective and hope that he wins or, you know, make sure that he does win by where you place the ball and he can make tough catches, tough contested catches. That's what he's good at. Some of the easier ones at times, it kind of depends and he'll body catch sometimes. So those are the things that he's going to have to continue to work on and fix with Mahomes. And he's been doing some of that down in Texas as has McCole Hardman and, and Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey and and, then, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Josh Gordon, Josh Gordon, you name them. They've been down there working on that over the past couple of weeks. And um, so that's encouraging in that regard that they're already getting that time and those reps, those much needed reps in to build that chemistry because they're going to need that come training camp and preseason and regular season time. So the more they can get that done and they can understand those things, uh, how Mahomes throws the ball, how to adjust to it, where he wants it to be, all that type of stuff. then that's going to build up that timing that they need. So, um, that's what those two guys are primarily going to do. Gordon will see what he can be as a possession receiver. If he can work over the middle, if he can, what he can do, I think he's, I'm mentally putting him more in the Juju Smith Schuster category. I think Corey Coleman, they're trying to see if he could get back to who he was from a speed perspective. And if he can catch better than he did in Cleveland or with the giants. And so that's more taking a flyer on that guy. And then we'll see what fountain can do. I mean, you know, but at the end of the day, this is the time of year where you can still add pieces to leave no stone unturned. So in draft right now, I'm hoping they take multiple receivers to leave no stone unturned so that you're not wishing that you had a receiver that you got to go trade for a receiver middle of the year. Like they were having to do last year. And again, we've talked about, they've got two picks in each of the first four rounds. So a total of eight picks in those first uh, four rounds. I don't expect them to make all eight picks. I, I, I would imagine that they'd end up with six or seven um, at most. And, you know, you're going to have to address the defensive line. Probably want to, you know, you always, it's always a good idea to shore up offensive line depth. Um, but then wide receiver, you know, is another big need in addition to some secondary. And we'll discuss the secondary uh, next week, but I, I mean, I think if the Chiefs don't end up with two wide receivers in in those first four rounds, um, I'll be a little surprised. Quite frankly, I'll I'll be surprised if they don't try to add some depth there. 
Yeah, as long as I get two in the first five, I'll be I'll be content. It's just a matter of what combination they want to go with, and we'll discuss that here in the next handful of minutes. But yeah, I mean, there's different combinations they can go out and do, and if they do that, I I will be happy with where they're at. So okay, we, we've kind of discussed where the the new guys fit and and the returning guys fit. What are the holes left in this wide receiver group that you think from a positional standpoint or from a skill set standpoint need to be addressed? I mean, when you're evaluating guys to determine scheme fit, when you're watching your film, what are some of the things you're looking for that you think are traits the Chiefs need to add to this room to have that versatile, overwhelming offense we talked about? Um, It can come in three different ways and three different phases. The first one is... Is there another burner out there that you can get that can give you in the ballpark, not completely like Tyreek Hill, but in the ballpark of what Tyreek Hill did to f- make defenses fear him? Because here's the thing. When Tyreek came out from uh, the draft, he wasn't the receiver he became. Like He had to work at that to become that route runner, to become that guy that could stop, start, and be able to explode immediately from an acceleration perspective and just just outrun any angle like that took time that took strength training that took a lot of work to be able to get to that point he wasn't that guy when he started here i know that for a fact because i watched his growth through that entire time and i was at those practices when he was just learning the finer points at otas as a rookie and you know the falling year and that type of stuff so i mean it wasn't you know that it, it wasn't he wasn't a completely polished product when he came out and he just he was this player for five years he had to work at that and it took till week eight or nine of uh, of his rookie year before he started to really get comfortable it was the saints game that alex smith you know threw a ball up and then after that when they played the broncos on sunday night football and tyreek made some of those plays he made a couple in their blowout that they lost to the steelers on sunday night football like week four or five like you know they they worked him into the offense over the first eight weeks, but after probably week eight or nine, that's when he really started to take off and he got a good grasp of things and they were able to integrate him and develop him in the offense. So that's, you know, and, and that took, that took, that took months of work like that, you know, and he still wasn't, you know, he still wasn't the player he became. So probably year three, uh, year two and a half, three in that regard. So, I mean, you know, you're trying to see if you can find somebody that can, be in that ballpark. You don't need the exact same player. You just want somebody in that ballpark that kind of makes defenses honor that. So you can do what you want and work over the middle. Um, Another aspect that I'm personally looking for is a big bodied athletic possession receiver. Like they can make the contested catches at six, four and big bodied and can kind of do that. And there's a guy I'm going to talk about a little bit that can do that. Like a Mike Williams style of player. That's what, you know, that's the bummer of not being able to get Mike Williams. Mike Williams would have done really well in this offense. So there's a, there's a guy in the draft that I really think could potentially be that for them. So that's what I'm eyeing there. And then the other thing is if there's somebody that can be either quick twitch in the slot and can kind of be like a Julian Edelman or a Hunter Renfro, like that's another guy that you're kind of seeing if you can kind of work with or operate with. And that could be through speed. That could be through quick, quick twitch ability. Um, and those, those are kind of the receivers that I think you're trying to target and you're trying to go out and get if you're the chiefs. It seems like a lot of the buzz has been building as for Drake London as the best as the top receiver in this class. You buying that? Do you, 
Do you see Drake London as the, as the top receiver? And, and look, he's one of those big-bodied guys, 6'4", 220, had a ton of catches, you know, a lot of volume at USC. Um, is, is he your top guy, or who, no. who would you put up top? No, he's not my top guy because, in my opinion, he's a slower version of what Keenan Allen is in terms of possession style. And Keenan, got, Keenan Allen got slimmer. And he got a little quicker during his time and with the Chargers. But dude, he was he was a slower guy when he came out in the draft. And like whenever I watched him, I was like, wow, he, he looks a lot slower than I anticipated from the hype that I was getting. And then over time, he became you know he slimmed down and he became what he uh, what people were expecting, what people were projected for him. So I mean, that was you know that was interesting to watch over time. It's just something you kind of live and learn and about those guys, but. Drake London to me, I mean, he's a possession receiver that doesn't really have top end speed. He can make the t- contested catches. He can make the leaping grabs look routine. Um, he does have some quick twitch short area burst, which is kind of where I, I see a lot of that Keenan Allen in him. And I mean, he can, he can create space with his body and the way he sells face. And I mean, he's, he's already advanced in his ability to set up corners. So from a route running perspective, and an understanding of leverage perspective, he's he's there as a receiver. That's why he's going to go probably in the top 15, top 20 without a problem. And I think there's going to be a pretty big run of receivers in the first round. But he's not he's not the premium guy to me. All right. Well, if he's top 20, and, and I I agree, I think he you know he has the potential to even go top 10, um, depending on you know whether a team like the Jets or somebody. Uh, how hungry they are and, and how they view him. Um, but, okay, let's go through. Who are some other guys who are probably in that top 20 to top 25 range? And and then is there anybody that you, if you were the Chiefs, you would be willing to move up to get? Because there's going to be guys like whether it's Garrett Wilson, whether it's Jameson Williams, whether it's Traylon Burks, whether it's Chris Olave. A lot of people have those guys going higher. And there may be other guys, whether it's, you know, depending on who, you know, on, on who's evaluating the draft, you know, the George Pickens, the Jahan Dotsons, the Christian Watsons of the world. Um, you know, some people have them as top 20 or top 25 guys, but who, who are some of those guys that if the chiefs are going to move up and get a wide receiver, you'd be okay for them doing it for. And who are some other guys who may go before the chiefs are on the clock, but you, you don't think necessarily are great fits. Uh, which question do you want me to answer first? Start start with who you'd be willing to go up for. I, I mean, I think the obvious yeah. answer is Jameson Williams of, of Alabama, right? Yes, that's that's the dude that if I'm going to trade up for and I feel comfortable with where his uh, ACL recovery is, that's a guy that you would invest in that could give you similar in the ballpark of Tyree Kill. And the fact he's taking one of the visits here in Kansas City as you and I uh, record this podcast right now that uh, has been brought out publicly now um, that, you know, I mean, that's a smart play to bring him in here, kind of talk with him, see what he, you know, kind of go over some stuff of the system with him, see how he retains it, how he responds to it, what he thinks, and then also get a look at his, uh, at his knee, if you can kind of see where that recovery is at. That's kind of the big thing. Cause if you, if your training staff feels comfortable with where he's at and how his medicals look and how he's doing in that regard, then, you know, you, then, you know, you can feel comfortable trading up for a player of that caliber. Cause personally, I don't, I, I, you know, a couple months ago, I thought, you know, Williams may hopefully drop to the second round because of the ACL, 
But I mean, when people I've chatted with, it sounds like he ain't making it past 18. So, you know, it looks like the sweet spot, depending on what the medical show is probably going to be somewhere between could be anywhere between eight to 18 in that regard. So, I mean, the chiefs just got to kind of decide where they want to go. If they do want to take him, if they like his medicals, where they want to trade up to. Cause I mean, before the injury, what made him so special is his combination of speed and his suddenness with the ability to burst out of the change of direction. Like he could, before the ACL, he could do that. Tyreek could do that. There's some receivers that can, that just have that ability. There's no lag in their thing. It's just like, you know, when you have a slow internet connection, you see the hand kind of, kind of shudder a little bit there because the internet connection's not catching up to it. So I'm just like, boom, lightning quick. Um, Williams, he's definitely in Deshaun Jackson's ballpark in terms of the speed. He's not completely at Tyreek Hill's level yet. Could he get there someday? There's a high ceiling for him to be able to. I mean, corners are nervous that they're going to beat him. So, I mean, they they always either played off and soft on him or they just didn't get hands on him because they were so scared that he was going to blow by them. So they didn't even take that chance. And, I mean, he, he can take you the distance on any catch. So that's that's what his speed provides. I mean, I thought he caught the ball really cleanly. And I mean, he's willing to go over the middle and make a leaping grab. So he has the toughness in that regard so um, with best receiver with, in the draft for me. Yes. Yeah. But when healthy, like, I mean, you know, after the ACL, you don't know. So that's what you're doing. Part of that visit for, to be able to answer that question. And you're still taking that chance to where maybe that may not end up being the case, you know? And so that's another thing as well um, that you got to kind of, kind of way and take into effect. And so that's, you know, there's going to be some risk involved in that aspect of it. But the thing I'll say with him is I know some people bring up, well, he only had one year of production. Yeah. Because he went to Ohio state and, you know, as you notice, there's two guys that are going in the first round potentially that are from Ohio state in his class. Like, I mean, so like, it, you know, like it, it says a lot about a player that they can be able to transfer from, a program like Ohio to Alabama and become essentially one of the number one receivers at Alabama, whether it's one year production or not. I mean, he probably honestly could have, you know, gone to Alabama and become, you know, that type of player quicker, but he chose to go Ohio state, which had been was closer to his hometown of St. Louis. So, you know, it, it, it worked out the way that it did. So, I mean, uh, to me, that speaks volumes that he could still go to a national champion, a regular national championship contender where you have that many athletes stacked on a yearly basis that, and he still was able to shine down there. All right. Speaking of the Ohio state guys, um, you know, both, uh, you know, both Garrett Wilson and Chris Alave are, um, I, let's call them average height NFL receivers, right? Like, um, either one of those guys tickle your fancy to add to this chiefs offense. And, and you know, one of those, you like either one of them better. Cause I, I mean, they, they have similar builds both, right? Like they're both six foot in the mid one eighties, but they're different. I think they're different styles of players. I mean, I think Alave is strictly an outside guy. Wilson may have a little bit more flexibility, maybe a little bit more speed, but also more prone to drop the ball. So, um, you know, what do you make of those Ohio state guys? Yeah, Alave for me uh, is kind of who I'd go with if I'm having to choose here. Alave, he separates himself by his body control. He's got special ability to shift his momentum to tight rope to sidelines and contort his body to make tough, tough over the shoulder catches and not give away the subtle clues before he does it, like moving his hands and stuff like that. He's able to do that at last moment and the corner can't read it and the corner is always at a disadvantage because of that. 
Um, I thought he's aggressive at attacking the football and adjusts really well to where the ball's at, both speed and placement and where he's going to be. Um, his sudden and shifty style is what I, I felt helped him create separation, especially down in the red zone and goal line. Along with his speed, it's near Williams' level. So, like, if you don't get a Jamison Williams, like a Chris Olave is, an, uh, like, would be my, you know, my my one A choice or my, my one B choice, you know, it, depending on how you want to phrase it. Because like, there's one and then, you know, one you, you want to call it one A or one B? Yeah, one, one and one A. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to call or, it. Or we could just call it two. But I have, <laughs> yeah, we could, but I don't want to do that. Um, but I, I do have concerns that the Chargers are going to be the team that's going to sneak up and take him at 17. If the, uh, William, Jameson Williams and Olave, I'm really nervous that that either the Saints or the um, or the Chargers or the teams, the Chiefs are going to have to leapfrog above to get either of those two guys. I, I mean, I really think they may have to go up to, uh, you know, 12 with the Vikings or, or see if the, the Ravens are, are willing to make another trade with them, you know, similar to last year, if they're going to go up, um, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Cause I, I don't, I don't think the Chiefs are the only team that's going to be interested in trying to move up for for a variety of reasons. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some teams like the Steelers. I mean, if they're going to sit there and wait for a quarterback to fall to them, they may not want, you know, they may be uh, willing to, they may not want to move up. They may actually be willing to move a little bit down at 20, but I don't think you're going to have a Chris Olave or Jamison Williams available to you at 20. Um, you know, or, or some places like that. So it'll be interesting. The other guy that I, that I think I'm higher on than you is Traylon Burks. Um, I, I just think, yes, just, you were hundred percent accurate in that statement. <laughs> I, I mean, I just like his size and his speed. And what I like about him is he he's got the, he's got the size to, to, you know, bully corners at the line of scrimmage and, and it's hard for teams to press him, but he's still fast enough if they're going to play off that, you know, he can, he can beat them and he's a yards after the catch machine. And the reason I like him and that I may be a little bit higher is the chiefs haven't had those kind of guys who can get open on their own consistently and create space and then make plays after the catch. And, and I think that Burks is a guy who, who could do that. I think that um, you add him to the, the, you add him to any wide receiver room. And I, I think that that combination of size and speed um, makes that wide receiver group better. Um, but sounds like you would be targeting him more in the second round. If you were going to go after him, huh? Um, uh, my, my knocks on him for the chief scheme. And then I emphasize for the chief scheme. Doesn't mean he can't be a good wide receiver in the league. Doesn't mean he can't have a spot in the league. Like, you know I mean? Like he's, He's going to, you know, he'll be a good player in the league. I think, right. That's what I'm saying. Like right I, system. He, he's, he's got a lot of AJ Brown to his game, I think. So, so, but I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to emphasize to people. I'm not saying these guys can't be good. It's just like what the chiefs need and what, what they, you know, what I think they personally need isn't the same. So like that, I think people take that sometimes they're like, well, this guy can fit anything because he's this like, well, no, it doesn't. Those traits work better in certain schemes. So like, that's just kind of the way that that manipulates. So like for, especially for Burks, like, for example, let me take a Burks. If he's in a play action pass scheme, like the Titans, like AJ Brown is, He's better because he gets the time. Because here's here's the key for Burks. Whenever I'm watching him, he needs ten yards to get to top end speed. 
And like, so for the chief scheme with as many routes as they have, it could be five yards, could be line of scrimmage, could be 10. You're wasting what he needs to be at his best on the football field for both him and for your roster. So with him, if he needs 10 yards to get the top end speed and in, in both route running in that regard, a play action pass scheme or a scheme that's really built on 10, 15, 20 yard routes. That's what's going to be better for him in his career and being able to get the most out of his career during those first five years before you potentially reach free agency. Doesn't mean he's not, doesn't mean he's not a big body receiver and has good athletic ability for his size. He's got all that. It's just a matter of finding those scheme fits that kind of tailors to his ability. Okay. So we've gone over what the top five guys, um, and here, here's the thing. I think for all five of those players, if the Chiefs covet one of them, any one of those five, they're going to have to go up. Is there anyone – I think we're now getting into guys who may still be there at 28. Who do you like in that next group that I think – and I think this is where the George Pickens, the Jahan Dotsons, the, the Christian Watson, who's getting a lot of buzz out of North Dakota State, Sky Moore out of Western Michigan – some of these more under the radar guys, I think fall into this next group. Are there any guys that you think could still be there at 28 and that you really like as a scheme fit? Yeah, I think Dotson from Penn state's going to be there in that range. And he may be a little bit later too. It's just a matter of, do you want to take that, that game of, uh, you know, choose your own adventures, another team <laughs> right. going to jump up in front of you and take the guy you actually want, or are you going to take it when you, or are you going to seize the opportunity in the moments there? I mean, that, that's, not, that's the thing. The Chiefs are at 28 and 29, but their next pick isn't until 50. I think there's a chance Dotson's there at 28, 29. I doubt he's there at 50. Yeah. So with Dotson, I mean, look, he's a dynamic receiver. He's got some Jamar Chase to his game. I'm not saying he's Jamar Chase. No, that's I'm my saying, headline. <laughs> I know. That's why I have to emphasize this stuff to you because you like to take stuff out of context. Sometimes. Wow, Jamar Chase at 28? Sign me up for that deal. <laughs> yeah, but he has some of that of his style in his game in the open field. I think he's an aggressive receiver that tracks the ball really well and attacks it. Um, he'll climb the ladder, and that's where I saw some of the Jamar Chase the way he climbed the ladder I was like, Oh my goodness. And, the, and he's a very shifty and receiver. He's able to create separation with his fakes again, kind of in that Jamar chase range. But I think Dotson understands how to contort his body to make a catch or wall off a defender with his body. I feel like he's a well-rounded receiver that kind of has the attributes that you're looking for. And I, I thought that he was one of the better receivers in terms of having a feel to, to know where the void is in coverage and be able to take advantage of that, which is really big in the chiefs offense. I thought, I thought he had good, good ability with that. Uh, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. I, I thought he scares a lot of people on tape with his size, of, you know, his combination of size and speed. So I thought a lot of corners would let him take all the underneath stuff so they wouldn't get burned over top. You know, I think he needs about five yards to start cranking it up to that top gear. But once he gets to it, he's, he's a lethal receiver. Um, he can gain separation with the speed, but he has long arms to make contested catches look routine. And he attacks the football really well, catches it cleanly. I thought he had a good build that would stand up to taking hits in the NFL on a regular basis. And the chiefs have done well with directional, uh, talent from Alabama in the past. So yes, they, they, they did well. Um, that's, that's because Tyreek, they drafted Tyreek Hill out of West Alabama for those who don't remember. Yes. And there's going to be somebody on Twitter. That's going to say that that went over my head when it didn't, no, it didn't. The, the, the Justin Bieber thing last week. Absolutely did though. 
Yeah, I was done with the podcast at that point. I didn't. It had been like 45 minutes, and I had other things that needed to get done. Watching coaches film at 11:50 at night, I'm like, let's wrap this up, Todd. Um, George Pickens from Georgia. Yeah, I, I really, really like him. I, I like, I mean, I, I thought he's gonna. I, I like his catch radius. I feel like he's intimidating with the height and long arms that he has. He'll, he'll climb the ladder too to catch a football. He doesn't have that elite speed, and that's what I think would probably keep him out of the first round. But I mean, he can break away from defenders after the catch and has the ability to shake a guy. It's just going to take them taking the wrong angle sometimes. I thought he tracked the ball really better than I expected him to. And he's also willing to be a physical run blocker, which I think is going to get him hide marks with the chiefs. Um, a person that, so I, I know a lot of people have associated Christian Watson with the chiefs from North Dakota state. My thing is Watson was a man among boys against the competition he went against. He took full advantage of being the fastest player on the field and, you know, and being the most physical guy on the field. So he did what he's supposed to do at that level. I selfishly always kind of want to see those guys get against a big 10 or sec conference style of school, just to kind of see how they change their strategy. And when they go up against those levels of competition, what do they change that can kind of do that? I feel like he's a hybrid between a possession receiver and a physical threat at receiver. So I, I'm really curious to see what his growth is going to be like, but I know there's teams that uh, have him. There's people that have him mocked to the Packers in the first round. I know there's some that have him going in the second, some that he may go to the third. It's kind of all over the place. Kind of eye of the beholder right now with him. So that's where if, if the chiefs get him, I'm not going to be upset about it. I mean, cause I, the, any, any additions they make a receiver, I'm going to be happy about. It's just that for that specifically, I just don't know. I, I would take him later. If another team wants to jump up and take him earlier, let, let him go do it. Cause there's, there's other guys that can kind of be what I think he'll be in the league later in the draft. Well, and so that to me, that's the thing. And we'll talk about this more in a couple of weeks when we discuss our mock drafts and stuff like that. And, and look, I'm still of the school of thought. Brett Veach historically has been aggressive using draft picks to move up for guys he likes, but they've also kind of, the, the chiefs also don't often do what you expect them to do. Um, you know, they, they tend to pivot and try to stay ahead of things. I mean, think, you know, there wasn't a lot of talk that, you know, Tyreek Hill was probably going to be moved this off season before it happened. Um, I'm also part of me is also of a mind, especially because I think there's depth that the two positions, the chiefs most need to add, um, long-term controllable youth at, and that's defensive end and wide receiver. Um, this is a good draft for both those positions. And I mean, this is the kind of year where I could absolutely see Brett beach saying, you know what, rather than be aggressive, we'll see how the board falls. We like lots of guys at these two positions and, and we're going to, you know, use some of our draft capital because you know, the alternative is if the chiefs, if the chiefs go ahead and draft all eight of those, those picks in the first five rounds. And if you get five or six, you know, legitimate starters out of it, then you're going to have four years of those guys at a pretty cheap, controllable cost. Um, you know, and you'll have some options down the road about who you sign long-term, who you pay that money to, um, you know, who you maybe use like you did Tyreek Hill and flip them down the road. I think, I, I mean, 
I would not be upset if Brett Veach is patient this year and just uses those picks to get a lot of talent on the roster that you're going to have at a, at a really well-controlled cost for four years. I agree. The more they can get, if they can get more picks than they already got right now, I'm all about that life. I mean, anything they can get in the top 150 and add to this roster right now, I would be very happy about. I just wanted to do that, Tom. <laughs> so I, for those who don't know, I'm like watching him fiddle with his phone on Zoom. I know something's coming, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just wanted to hear that noise. You know, I'm very excited about the draft here. So I just felt we needed that noise. Yeah. A couple weeks and, and, uh, uh, Ooh, less um, than two. Yeah. Yeah. That's the time we're taping. Yeah, no. So, so we'll have answers to all those questions and, and, you know, we've, we've got a couple more podcasts we're going to do between now and then to kind of go over things. All right. So, We've kind of covered uh, first round, first round-ish, top 50-ish type guys. Are, are there some other guys, um, you know, like like John Mechie III, who you haven't mentioned, or, you know, Justin Ross from Clemson, David Bell, who was a highly productive guy at Purdue. You know, there's, you know, like I, like I said, we you talk about guys in the draft. It's a deep draft for wide receiver. And it, there's some quality players who are going to come in the second, third, fourth round. Who are some of those guys that you think may not be, you know, top 30 guys, but might still be a good fit for the Chiefs um, and that you could see them, you know, trying to pick them up in the second, third, fourth round? Yeah, we talked about Dotson and Tolbert. Um, Mechie, I'll go back to him. Um, I, he, I think he started to tap in to who he was at receiver and who he could potentially become before the ACL issue in, I believe, in the national championship game. Um, Mechie, like, I mean, he, he faced defenders incredibly well, and then he cuts it off and explodes off into of, his route. He does have that extra gear once the ball's in the air. I felt like Mechie's physical, aggressive, and dynamic. He may not – he doesn't have elite speed, per se, right now or before the injury, um, but – he he's close. He gets close when he can. We can see the field and turn on the nitro boosters. I liked his. I liked his his vision in the open field. And whenever he sees that football up in the air and he's tracking it, like there are times where he'll turn on that extra gear and, as I call it, hit the nitro boosters to be able to get to that football. So like he has some of that ability. A guy that I'm I'm kind of enamored with is Wendell Robinson of Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I thought Robinson had had near elite speed. I thought he could break away from defenders. Had sharp cuts on his routes. I thought uh, he could be a special player once the ball's in his hands in the open field. Thought he had really good body control. Thought he was aggressive over the middle. And I thought he had really good toughness for his size. He'll need to bulk up to survive in the NFL with the strength training to be able to take those hits and be able to keep up with who he is. And when I say that type of stuff, like Dexter McCluster, like he was a quick twitch athlete coming out of old miss, but over time, the longer you're in the league, if you don't bulk up and you don't get that strength training to a certain level to be able to withstand those hits and have that muscle mass, you start to lose a lot of that ability. And that's what happened to Dexter McCluster. And he was a shell of his former self by probably year four, year five range. And he just, he, you know, from what he was as a returner, like that just, that just wore down over time. And we take those hits over the middle in the league. That's what happens. And I was always nervous about that happening in a Tyree kill and fortunate enough it really didn't happen to him but if you see if you've ever seen him in person before just how how built he was how muscular he was for yeah. his size like it was just ridiculous and like that's what helped him kind of do what he did in the league and gave him the explosiveness he had at the level that he did simply because of that um but I mean back to Robinson like I mean 
what what I, uh, the added bonus that Robinson has over a lot of other receivers is he was a Liam Cohen down there in Kentucky that that ran variations of the Rams scheme and some of the other schemes you'd learned along the way before you got to Kentucky. So Robinson got to kind of experience and be prepared for being in an NFL type offense and how defenses were going to kind of scheme against that. And I think he's just tapping into who he is as a receiver. And um, he, he reminds me a lot of a guy that you and I both liked last year uh, out of, I believe Louisville Rondell Moore as opposed to Wandale. I, I, he's, I don't think yeah. he's as, as thick, I mean, because Rondell Moore was, you know, had had huge legs and, uh, you know, was real had a real strong lower body. I don't think Wandell is quite like you said. He's not there physically to the same level that Rondell Moore was, but I think they have similar skill sets. And, uh, you know, you and I both liked, you know, what we thought he could be as a scheme fit for Andy Reid in the system. Yeah, and I'll go over some guys that you mentioned that I'm I'm not personally enamored with. Um, Sky Moore from Western Michigan. I'll go over him. I, I feel like his best route's the slant. Like I think that's kind of where his money route is right now um, in terms of what I saw on tape, and it's where he's his most explosive. I, I felt like he kind of lacked top end speed. I thought. I thought more kind of won by getting corners to guess wrong and breaking off of it versus kind of just running his route. I thought, you know, he brought a physical presence over the middle, but it, it could be, I think he could be a strong three, but I, I think he's going to struggle with outside corners early on in the press coverage. And, and I just, I think that's going to cause him some issues. The Justin Ross, you mentioned from Clemson. I think he's a sloppy route runner that like rounds off his rounds off his breaks. And like, that's just, that's never been good in Andy Reid's scheme when that happens. Yeah. Junior Hemingway had a massive problem with that whenever I'd watch him at camp, and it was and at OTAs, and that was that was brutal to watch, and it 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 messed up a lot of timing on the way that they have the routes combined and how they're supposed to open up and how it's supposed to manipulate the defense in various ways. So you need you don't want slap, sloppy route runners in that regard. Um, I know a guy, uh, Khalil Shakir from Boise State. I thought he's unique in that he he. He drops routine catches, but he makes tough catches. It was really weird to see that <laughs> to where I'd be like, all right, like, you know, like that was a impressive catch. And you're like, okay, this is a normal slant. Oh, he dropped it. Okay. Um, but what his, his strength is, his vision to get open, his vision in the open field and the shiftiness he has on kind of getting yards after catch. I thought that was the, that was good. I didn't see breakaway speed from him, but I thought he could do damage on, you know, slants, crossers, the flats passes, some double moves, but that's kind of more where his wheelhouse is. And he has, he has an, he's got good vertical, um, and, and, you know, better tracking skills than I expected. Um, next guy on the list will be Calvin Austin from Memphis. Uh, I thought Austin was an explosive receiver. I thought he shined against inferior athletic competition. Um, Austin can take a crossing around a wide receiver screen or a slant the distance. Like that's, that's where he kind of comes into play. I thought he had the, I, I think his size is going to be a concern in terms of durability. Um, his double moves, they cause corners and safeties problems, especially in the right offense and the chief scheme. I think they would, I think they would where he's going to make his money in the league though, is like, he's going to be a really good kick and punt returner. And so I think that's kind of where you're going to need those guys later on to be those type of contributors. Could he be a poor man's Isaiah McKenzie? Cause you know how much I, you know, you I so, coveted an Isaiah McKenzie type. My goodness. You were, yes, you, yes, he could be that type of player, Todd. 
All right. All right. Well, because he went back to the Bills, which, you know, good for him, but but sad for me. I liked what he brought to the table. But that's another area where Tyreek Hill, the loss of Tyreek Hill, um, you know, may need to be addressed a little bit, um, you know, because think about who they've had back there in key moments, you know, returning punts and stuff like that. So, uh, so don't be surprised if they do look for a guy who has some of those return skills and some of that speed that, that could fill in some of those roles too, because uh, you know, Demarcus Robinson uh, was another guy who they tried there at various times. I mean, you still got McCole Hardman Jr., but if he takes on a more prominent role in the offense, you may need a guy like a Calvin Austin III to slide in and, and help you out on special teams. Yeah, next guy on the list is uh, Kyle Phillips from UCLA. Um, Phillips, he's got good burst after he shakes a defender or two in open space. Um, he's he's a shifty style of returner and receiver. And, I mean, he, he runs good routes, so I don't think that that's a problem. I just don't think he's got explosiveness to overwhelm with what he's doing route running-wise. And I think, he, I think he'd be a solid three or four and win a lot of one-on-one matchups. And so that's kind of where I kind of visually see him personally. A guy that I'm really enamored with, and I think with the right time, the right patience, the right everything, Eric Azu Kenma from Texas Tech. Like, dude, he's got sneaky speed for his size, and he has the ability to keep a keep a step on corners and safeties while boxing them out on routes to to win contested catches with the side and size and leaving ability. Um, He's, he's better than expected in the open field. He's got better contact balance to take hits and stay upright than I was expecting. Um, and, and he, he would be a good, good to maybe great possession receiver for the chiefs. I think he has some breakaway speed against the right matchups. Like he, he could be, and I'm not saying he's there yet. And I'm saying athletically, he may not be the same guy, but he's in the ballpark of what I think they probably wanted from Mike Williams. And I know Mike Williams went in the first round of the Chargers and everything, but like I, I think Eric could kind of be that type of receiver in the in the offense for him. He's going to be later third, fourth, fifth round range, you know, depending on the eye of the beholder. But like that's kind of the ballpark for him. Um, what, Ontario, what, about, what about David Bell from Purdue? Why would you ask me about David Bell? Well, he's Did another people, one of the guys I had mentioned. People, as... people were curious about him, Todd. I mean, he's a name that comes up. He's a name that people feel like is undervalued in this draft. Because, look, he was highly productive. Um, I, I I, don't think he has great top-end speed. I don't think he has a great catch radius. But he's got great body control. He was very sure-handed. Um, and, and like I said, he was highly, highly productive in the Big Ten. I mean, with Bell, I didn't. He's not marked down as one of my favorites. I just want you to know that. Okay, doesn't mean they won't take him. They'll probably take him. Um, but no, I mean, Bell. Look, he, he shined with his attitude and his subtle moves in open space and on breaks and routes and his vision in the open field. I mean, that's that's kind of where his wheelhouse was. I just I felt like long term, he's going to find success in the league as a slot receiver working over the middle, and I, you know, that's not. I think he's going to get drafted higher for that. And I don't, for what I think the Chiefs need to value higher in the draft, I just don't think it's a, a great fit. Um, but I if do he's, think he's, I do think he's going to have a tough transition ahead of him athletically if he's asked to be a one or two receiver in the offense. It, it, let, let's say that he's there in the third round, though. You've only signed Juju Smith-Schuster to a one-year deal. Is he a guy who you think could fit that mold and you draft him and develop him for that year behind Juju and then make a decision uh, in 2023? I mean, if that's a strategy you're after, then then 
They get, sure, but I mean, personally, I'd I'd personally pass on them. But it's not my pick to make, Todd. <laughs> um, next guy on my list is Dontario Drummond from Old Miss. Drummond could he, he could naturally fit into Demarcus Robinson role. Now, when I say that, everybody's like, "Oh, that means you can run backwards or sideways or yeah, you know, or hold the ball over his head." Like, and one hand. Yeah, like I mean, that's that's what people think. No, I'm <laughs> saying what Demarcus Robinson was supposed to be in the offense is he was supposed to be what Juju Smith Schuster is going to be. He was supposed to be that possession guy. He was supposed to be that guy that at times could win the verticals as the third or fourth receiver, like he did against uh, Oakland that one year when he had his big game. Like that's that's well, who one, he was supposed to be. Really wasn't it? Yeah, but that was supposed to that was supposed to be kind of who he was, and he just he never developed into that guy. But I mean, with Drummond, I mean, he catches the ball cleanly. I think he has a better understanding of coverages and where the voids are than people anticipate. I thought he had really good vision in open space, and I thought he had a really solid double move on deep routes, which is what Robinson was actually good at. But people wouldn't get past it because of what he would do in the open field. Like Robinson actually was a really good double move route runner, and he he'd get open sometimes and score some touchdowns just purely off that alone. Um, next guy on the list is going to be Samori Tor Tori from uh, Nebraska. I thought he was. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, he he was willing to transfer from Montana to Nebraska. He was willing to take on the bigger challenge instead of just staying in his comfort zone and just being the dominating player on the field. Like he wanted to up the competition and give himself a better chance to make it to the NFL. So that in itself shows me that that's a guy willing to push himself because here's the thing in life. I'm a person and this is what I identify with and why I identify with him. I'm about chasing greatness in life in general. Like that's what I'm after. I want to chase greatness. I want to make greatness happen. I want to perform at a high level in the industry that I'm in and what I personally do. So my motto is either you're either you're chasing greatness with me or get out of the way and watch me do it. Like that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a mentality for me personally. So when I see guys that are willing to do that, like those are the kind of the people that I respect and like that I like to personally, you know, not him specifically, but people I like to surround myself in, in a circle with, like, that's what I'm trying to do in life. So if you're not really, if you're not trying to do that, then get out of the way and watch how it's done. Sorry, Todd. That's a rant right there. More of a life rant. <laughs> I, I appreciate um, your rant, sir. Hey, thank you. That's what I that's what I'm about in this life. And I hope certain people are listening to that one. But anyways, um next up on the list is going to be uh Taekwon Thornton from Baylor. People know him because of how fast he ran at the combine. Open some eyes there. Look, I mean, he does have the top end speed. And he, he just needs a, it's what I call, it's a new phrase that I've, I've, I've put up and somebody may have it out there. I don't know. Uh, my thing is he just needs a runway to reach it. So it's just like a, it's just like a plane on a, on an aircraft carrier and you know, it's top gun with the Tom Cruise movie and they just need that runway to get to that top end speed to be able to take off. And that's kind of what I think Thornton is. He just, he just needs that runway to reach his top end speed. But once he does, he really shines on the vertical routes, the slants routes, deep post. Uh, uh, Thornton can run the slant. He can stop, change direction, accelerate the opposite way to take it the distance. I think he understands how to box out defenders and secure the pass so it can't be knocked down. I thought he was, thought he had more of a physical presence for his size and long arms to kind of stretch out for the pass. I felt he could win the jump ball and outrun a secondary. I'll be curious to see if he can bulk up, but kind of maintain that speed because I think that's what's going to keep him in the league if he's able to do it. 
And if he can get with a wide receivers coach that can kind of tighten up some of his route running and help him sell his double moves better, I think he's really going to shine on a whole different level. So that's really more of a potential thing where you take that speed to become who he could become. And that's another guy that if like hypothetically, if the Chiefs, you know, didn't get a Jamison Williams or some of the other receivers we talked about in terms of a speed perspective, Thornton's a guy that I would kind of love to see them go out there and get later. Um Next guy on the list is going to be uh, Jones from Tennessee, Vellers Jones from Tennessee. I, I think he's a promising long-term project. I, I think he's got good speed. I think he's a well-rounded athlete. Uh, I think he's really natural in the open field, especially on kick and punt returns. I think he can contribute immediately there. Um, and I think that he would have a big impact there. He's going to need to work on his releases and his route running. And r- right now, and as a receiver, he can get five or 10 yards just off his speed alone. But there's little finer points that I'm talking about, like how to, how to probably beat press coverage with this movement or with this shoulder dip or those type of little things. Um, or whenever you, you know, you give this shoulder fake and you, you plant with this foot, but you don't do it till, you know, at, at seven yards depth, those type of little things. Those are the things that I think he needs a wide receivers coach that can help him develop that. And so you're going to get, I think you give him a hand, I think you can get a hand full of targets in each game, just like the chiefs did with McColl last year until you develop those for him to be in the offense on a more regular basis. Well, one thing with him too, though, and a reason that he may fall down, even though he ran a four, three, one 40 yard dash to the combine is he's an older guy. He's, he's, he's already, I think 25 uh, or will be 25 as a rookie. And Missouri fans will remember you know, what Josh Heupel's system was like. They don't run a lot of routes. You know, sometimes the guys on the backside don't run any routes. You know, the, just the route tree is pretty limited uh, in his offense. So, you know, like you said, he's got – there's some polish that needs to take place for a guy like Velas Jones Jr. Now, I'm going to play I'm – gonna, I'm going to warn you and I'm going to play it again. Once I hear this, There's a certain name I'm hoping to hear after that in the later rounds. I'm hoping I hear it for the Chiefs and not the Patriots, but I'm concerned I'm going to hear it for the Patriots. And it's the final receiver I'll personally talk about, Slade Bolden from Alabama. Um, I'm just going to tell you right now, Slade Bolden could could end up being a quality long-term slot receiver. If he gets enough time to develop and he goes to the right scheme, Like he, he could be that guy. He's got a really, really good feel for coverage in the voids, and he's got great instincts and presence inside the numbers when it comes to being a being that type of receiver. And like, I saw some Hunter Renfro's game, I saw some Julian Edelman's game, and it feels like he could be that type of receiver that is going to be undervalued because he may not have this top end speed or he may not have this. But in terms of in terms of his feel inside the numbers and the quick twitch that he has, and I. He would be, I think he'd be a lot of fun in that chief scheme long-term, but I have a lot of fears that uh, Bill Belichick is going to take him higher than he's projected. And then given his relationship with Mac Jones, I, I think that, I think that that, uh, I think Slade's going to be making Chiefs fans and us frustrated for quite some time watching him yeah. in new England. Like they just keep getting, they get Edelman for a decade and they get him. Come on, man. Yeah, no, I, yeah, the, yeah, the Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, and then that, that's what I was going to say is uh, 
you know, Mac Jones may have a big influence there if, if you know, if he really pounds the table and says he's a guy that that I need that we need to add. They may they may reach and he may go higher than people expect just because of that existing relationship. So yeah, that's why I quote too that when I saw he was taking one of the visits there to New England this past week, and I'm like, oh, Belichick, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Had to so. try to squash my dream already, Bill. Tired well, of your bull. But- you got to remember too, though they you know they lost Josh McDaniel, who's now the the head coach of the Raiders. So, um, you know, you never know how that offense will adjust, and and you know, um, you know how important that slot guy is going to be moving forward for the for the Patriots either. So, oh, if it's Mac Jones, pal, like I think it is, um, I I think I think Mac Jones is going to going to make sure his buddy Slade gets up there. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, well, hey, like uh, I mean, I think. I think we covered most of the, the, you know, the big time prospects and I'm, you know, it'll be interesting to see where some of those guys, those guys land in, in a perfect draft, perfect draft scenario. What is it for you? And who are those two receivers the chiefs get in the first four rounds? And, and do they have to trade up? I mean, you know, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, if, if they, a lot of people, you know, if they move up, well, first let me ask this, cause we've talked defensive end tackle and defense and now wide receiver. If the Chiefs move up, um, you know, and say give up a first and a third or something like that, do you care if it's D end or wide receiver? Um, is it player specific? Would you be disappointed if it was one or the other? No, I think those are the positions that if you're going to make the play, you make the play for that. Because when we talk about corners, where I'm going to get nervous, I mean, from a corner perspective, like there's there's certain guy, there's a certain guy that I think with where the chiefs are at right now, I think they have a chance to get, and I really like him and their scheme, but Dex I don't Hill? know what Dex Hill from Michigan. Okay. Well, why are you trying to read the podcast next week? Like I was trying, <laughs> it's called a tease, Todd. It's like called, let's give answers away. <laughs> um, well, but I, I'm going to give it away since you've already kind of wrecked part of the podcast. It was, it was Elam who I was talking about as the corner. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. But yes. Dax Hill is a great safety that can also play slot and can move all over the field and do literally everything that Tyron Matthew already did. Like you would be replacing Tyron Matthew with him in that regard, in terms of the versatility of what he had, and you'd technically be replacing Daniel Sorensen in a way too. Um, so I'm, I mean, from very from various matchups, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of corners out there that I honestly like. There's there's a lot more value corner in the second, third, and fourth rounds than I was anticipating when I watched them, and we'll go more into that. So I I don't think if you're wanting a premium corner, I totally get it, but there's a couple guys that I think with where the Chiefs normally draft and what they do, like I, I think they can they can still find that later. I think the edge rushers is going to drop off. And if you're wanting a premium receiver, I think that's going to drop off quicker than we, than we realize in those first two rounds. So I, I think, look, I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to get edge rushers. They're going to get multiple edge rushers. They get, in my opinion, they need to get multiple receivers. They need to get, they need to get uh, corners. They need to get safety. Like, I mean, there's, you know, and maybe even a tackle. Like, I mean, there's just, there's a lot that they need to get. And, and this is why they have as many picks as they do right now. And if they get more picks, I'm not going to be upset about it because they need to fill a lot of those positions at this point this year and next year. So like, you know, like get as many as you can this year to help you be able to compete and get a playoff spot, which is what you're after. And then just go from there. Yeah, no, I I think they're going to keep you and I busy uh, during the draft. That's for sure. Um, 
you know, with, you know, whether it's moving forward, moving back, you know, lots of new players being added in. Uh, I know you're doing some special draft, uh, um, you know, draft shows in connection with this as well, right? I don't know what you're talking about, Todd. We uh, don't know what you're talking about. No, No just kidding. Maybe we'll have more information on that during the Safeties and Corners podcast. You were you were you were awful at revealing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you. You're like that guy in that in that photo that uh, you're like the guy in that photo that you know like that's just spilled beans everywhere. <laughs> well, okay, just I'll just put it this way: if you appreciate Nick's insight on the draft, you may want to watch KSHB 41 in a couple weeks. That's all I'll say. Okay, like again. <laughs> Let's keep things a mystery around here, Todd. That's why, <laughs> that's why you can't be a producer because you're like literally giving away. You're like, hey, here's what the plot's going to be in the movie. You don't have to watch it now. Well, I thought asking people to watch was a good thing, though. I don't, under- yeah, no, I don't understand yeah. television, Nick. <laughs> we all have our struggles, Todd. <laughs> So, all right. Well, hey, I got nothing else, um, you know, unless you really want to talk about s- potential seventh round receivers. Yeah, no, I'm good. I mean, at the end of the day, after everything gets done, I'll put the big board together like I always do just because I want to. Um, I like having that for four years down the road, five years down the road when they come out as free agents and the guys get waived over time. I mean, she seemed to find a lot of guys from the big board and have them on the roster at some point. So I at least know that I'm not doing a terrible job in guessing who their type of players are that they like. Yeah. I appreciate that part, but um, it's just a good reference point to have for, you know, like I said, for five years, that's if you're doing something for a couple months that still pays off five years later, like that's, that's a good thing, you know? So, you know. It paid off for you, Todd. <laughs> what? What? My my immaculate hair care routine? <laughs> no, the kindness you showed to me in the Chiefs. True. No, very true. Very draft true. room at yeah. one point that that helped that helped make been, this podcast happen someday. Would have been f- yeah, about five years ago, I believe. So. Yeah, it actually was. Somebody brought yeah. that up. Uh, somebody brought that up to me yesterday. It's going to be five years since uh, not not that. Not that moment, but five years since that uh, life-changing event for me, yeah. and uh, I was like, "Oh wow!" I was like, "I was like, that's a good thing that that's sneaking up on me now, and that I'm not holding that and harboring that in and being like, yeah, no, I know about it." Yeah, you know, I was like, "Oh, that's a good thing. I don't even think about it or realize it until somebody points it out." I'm like, "Oh, oh all right, well, uh, I'll I'll hit my four-year uh, at the end of the during the draft, actually. So, congratulations to me." <laughs> I'm glad you're congratulating yourself on the podcast. That's what I know that we need to wrap this thing up. All right. Well, with that, take care, kids.